another episode of Axe of the Bug God and Independent RPG Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Uh, hello, Kat. I have to know, are you over Marvel Snap yet? No, I'm not. I was up until okay. 2 in the morning on Friday night. Well, that answers that. with Marvel Snap. I've got a new deck. It's all good. I, I have a problem, I have to say. Uh, also joining me is my equally lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. I was searching for reception at times to play uh, Marvel Snap on my vacation because the new Battle Pass dropped and it's got some good cards in it. And oh, oh, yeah, no, that Does game's it, still though, quite good. Is Black Panther truly a good card? Oh, you, say you, no. oh, I've got some I got some tips and we'll tricks for you. save it for the post show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, it's our special guest from Digital Foundry returning to the podcast. It's John Linneman. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for having me on what I consider to be one of the best podcasts currently available. So it's always always a pleasure. Oh, God, those are really high standards to live up to. High praise. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. (laughs) Yes, we have John on because John mentioned offhand that he was playing Star Ocean, the Divine Force, a game that I've been wanting to talk about on this podcast for a while now. Star Ocean has been a little bit of a blind spot for Acts of the Blood God. I don't think we've ever really formally talked about it at any point maybe maybe we talked about star ocean till the end of time briefly mm. during the uh ps2 episode but uh I, I would like to dive in just a little bit maybe one day we can get into the pantheon we'll do a pantheon mini or something for star ocean because I, I don't know if any of the star ocean games are truly pantheon worthy but yeah star ocean the divine force uh it's been kind of flying under the radar it's uh it's time to take a look at this little space rpg before we get to that though uh Thank you so much for listening to Acts of the Blood God. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot for however much longer Twitter still exists. <laughs> Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at Seamoosi, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And John is at Dark1X. Did I get it right? Did you got it so- right. I got that's, it right? Oh, my gosh. That's the, that's the old name still kicking around, but yeah. It, it does kind of have that correct. smell of a, a 90s uh, handle. It, it was created in 1998, so there you, you are. can tell. <laughs> and I've just been stuck with it, so. <laughs> I'm also on, or we, I, we are also on Patreon at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where we have our new Pantheon of the Blood God episode live. That's Pokemon Black and White and Black 2 and White 2, which we recorded with Charles Hart, who is an actual literal baby, was born in the uh, year 2000, uh, 2000, 2001. He was talking about how he was like 11 years old when uh, Pokemon Black and White came out. It was kind of terrifying, actually. Um, We were also joined by Merritt Kay. And uh, Merritt and I totally vibed over uh, the the battle system, uh, Mm -hmm. competitive Mm -hmm. battling. We both agreed that doubles are a blight on Pokemon. Completely, mm, it was mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. I found my soulmate. Is mm, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, very fun. Uh, that's Patreon.com/slash/BloodGodPod. And our next Pantheon is going to be Dragon Quest V. And finally, uh, you can tell I'm a little more lively because I've got a couple cups of coffee because we're recording early on a Sunday morning as opposed to our usual time on Friday night because John is over in Germany. And I want to say thank you to the hearty Acts of the Blood God fans who are joining us this morning, including Abby of the Moon, Azixa, Beware the Slimes, EJ, Cal L, Manga Alts, Nuclear Sandwich, Spirus, Teeps, Wah, and Zubatman. Thank you so much for your generous support. As a star of Destiny, you'll get access to the post-show 
that will go live just as soon as this episode uh, ends. Okay, it's time now to talk about what we have been playing, our sacrifices to the Blood God. I'm going to start with you, Nadia. You've been playing Harvestella. How are you liking it? I really like it. Um, it's just a, a really very, very chill RPG. And even it's funny, even when you look at it like from a distance, it's like, oh, it's not exactly the greatest looking RPG in Earth. But then when you see some of the settings they have designed and like the imagination that goes into the worlds and the setting, it's it's actually extremely impressive. Like your first quote unquote dungeon is this like fall themed place that just like just ablaze with with scarlets and oranges and is really nice. And I've only done the second dungeon since, which is like kind of a ruined city that's like wrapped under like just vines and roses and stuff like that. And it's really, really cool. Yeah, it's a really fascinating RPG. I want to say it's more more Rune Factory than anything, but even that is like hard to say because it's very battle-based. Like You have a job system, you have uh, class trees and, and all of that stuff, and you have a party that you travel with uh, for most of the time. But it's almost like you farm to support yourself, to support your adventuring habit, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. upgrades and stuff are, are very expensive. Uh, but also it's just fun to raise sheep and chickens and have like this giant sort of cat thing that I ride on when I'm on the map because that saves time because obviously time is always counting down. I've been through one quietus, which is the uh, the kind of the seasonal the death season. Yeah, the death yeah, season. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just really haunting. Like you're not supposed to go out in it, but I went. I'm like, of course. I'm like, oh shit, I'm going out in this, and of course <laughs> I did. And it's just really, really hauntingly lovely. Like it's just. Hmm. I, this is definitely a game that I hope doesn't get buried because number one, people are going to balk at the full price, like I've said before. Yeah. And number two, it's just I don't think Square did a whole bunch to say, "Hey, this is this this is what makes this game unique." From ten million simu- farming simulators that are on the market already. Mm-hmm. Narrator, mm-hmm. it got buried, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, Harvestella is again another game that's been a little bit on our radar, and it's actually it's kind of weirdly hard to keep up with all the Square Enix games that have been it really coming is, out. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, got fire there's so many. Point. So we're just getting to... the blunderbuss is the accepted turn on the like. <laughs> we're, we're finally getting to Star Ocean in this episode. Maybe we can get to Harvestella next. It's just like actually we could do Harvestella like right around Thanksgiving because it's kind mm. of like the time to do a farming sim. Well, we should do a farming sim game. Oh my god, mm. I've had multiple cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. Cat, we should have like, like I like ideas. Cat ideas. Cat, cat, cat is some chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Before we continue, um, are you all seeing Nadia's uh, waveform? Just yeah, yeah, I'm seeing it. mine. Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm seeing it. Yep. Is anybody else playing Harvestella at the moment? Uh, I've I poked away a little bit at it on on my vacation. Uh, I'm kind of interested to hear from you, Nadia. Uh, from what I've played so far, and I'm only about what I'd say is like halfway into the first dungeon. So about like I fought the unicorn, which was very fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought was was kind of neat, but largely I'm wondering how this stacks up to other farming simulators in terms of having any amount of like town slash social engagement. Because so far it really does feel like an RPG with some light farming on the side, rather than a farming game with some light RPG on the side. And you know, like that that's mm-hmm. a little bit more Rune Factory. Uh, and and coming from somebody who loves Rune Factory Four and is would like to put it in a pantheon vote someday, uh, I I really would like something like that because the most recent Rune Factory I think disappointed a lot of people. Five. Uh, it's yeah, basically yeah. Um, that's hideous. 
Hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if you can romance anyone yet, to be honest with you, but you can definitely build up friendships with them, like social okay. links, uh, okay. events like that. And they're uh, they're good story bits. Like they're written mm. well and you'll probably like them. I would give it a little more time to see where you are for sure. Okay. Okay. Th- that's like, I hate to say, it. I made this comment to friend of the show, Kenneth Shepard recently, uh, because we were talking about the new Pokemon coming up and this might be uh both off the road a little bit and a little bit strange for everybody in here. But I said that the thing I like about Pokemon is not the Pokemon, but I like the people in Pokemon. Uh, And that's why Arceus hooked me so much is because it did so much to make that world have like cool trainers in it and cool people that you can hang out with. And I, I like the Pokemon games that have cool casts that you can talk to alongside the actual Pokemon that you catch. And I'm the same way with farming game sims where like those things live and die by their casts and their abilities mm-hmm. to let me social link and hang out with people. And so, you know, some things I'll admit, like that's why it took a while for me to get into Stardew is because that stuff is not super apparent at the beginning of Stardew. And right. You kind of have to like do a lot of farming to get to that social sim stuff while Rune Factory and some other games like kind of put that further up and, and get you into that stuff faster. So Hmm. Um, I'm interested yeah, to see where Harvestella falls on that range. I also find Harvestella has this really fascinating setting where, like, you st- you mentioned the first dungeon, and mm-hmm. your first companions are a unicorn and a robot uh-huh. woman yeah. thing. Huh. And it, it's just... It owns. I love worlds where there's, like... I swear to God, it reminds me of Xenogears, actually, where there's just these robot people walking around, and the normal <laughs> people are like, we just don't talk to them. They, they're over there. They do their thing. Just kind of stay away from them. And, yeah, the, the quote-unquote omens are just... T- doing their thing for God knows why you're with a woman who's from the future because God mm-hmm. knows why it's just a really interesting story so far. I'm really enjoying it. It was really funny when that, that first intro part happens and you rescue the, the omen from the comet thing or whatever. And so there's just a suit of armor laying on a bed and everybody's like, what's going on? What could be happening? And I was like, there's an anime lady in there. There's absolutely an anime. <laughs> I know if I know one thing on, on God's blue earth, it's that <laughs> there is an anime lady inside that robot armor right now. <laughs> and then, Sure enough, a day later in game, they're like, oh, my God, there was a girl inside this armor. I was like, of <laughs> course there was. Have y'all not like I'm sitting there like looking at my screen like, do you not realize what video game you're in right now? <laughs> but there's also the other robot lady who is like there's more the robot of, ladies or what? have you not met the uh, in the first dungeon, the uh, omen uh, who you travel with there? Well, so I met the omen. I did not. I they have not unarmored, de-armored yet. So right. I. Yeah, I was not mm-hmm. aware if that was also an anime lady or not, but no, I don't. I don't think so. That's just a and it's just a with a voice that kind of sounds like an anime lady. But oh, I was playing with voice off, so that's why I didn't. Notice. Oh, okay. Why did yeah, you I look because I, I was on a plane and I was listening to my uh, music in okay. my ears. So I was just playing it here. So I don't know. Someone next to me probably heard it because I think like halfway through the flight, I realized my sound was on on the Steam Deck. <laughs> Oh. And I was like, it, oh, they've been hearing a lot of noises from my. It, it does game. have a great soundtrack. So for sure, like, uh, well, I guess hope I'm people enjoy it at some point. Yeah. yeah didn't go. Uh, go Sheena work on that? I think I heard that somewhere. Oh, was, I, don't I didn't know, know that. I don't know off the top I of my believe, head. Cause I, I saw the intro to the game. I, that's all I've seen so far. But I was interested in seeing more. Just and yeah, really the soundtrack it. really caught my attention. Sean, what have you been playing? Okay, well, uh, several games. We don't have to go through all of them in detail here, but obviously Star Ocean, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually been picking up, no kidding, Tactics Ogre, but yeah, 
on PSP. Ooh. <laughs> so, uh, wow, respect. Be- mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I played some of the, the new version and I, it really occurred to me that, oh yeah, I don't really like what they did with the visuals here. Like that weird yeah. upscaling oh, kind so of look. Okay. So it really stands out with the smoothing it's, and everything. Yeah. I didn't love yeah. the way it looked. And I have, I actually have not really played through this game before. And my buddy Thomas has been telling me you got to play this game. So I finally bought the PSP version and I've been putting the time in on this and wow, it's good. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's an impressive game. And you can definitely see how this led to Final Fantasy Tactics originally. Mm-hmm. But obviously this this updated version, I mean, even on PSP, has a lot of quality of life features that make it a lot more uh, simple to get into, I guess. Mm. Like you have the tarot cards that you basically rewind the battle. and mm-hmm. uh, But mm-hmm. the new one does have some new stuff, like obviously full voice acting, more orchestrated music and things like that. It's just the visual style. I don't love what they did, which is, that's a bummer. Uh, they should have just a nice pixel art mode, right? Like just let it, yeah. let the raw pixels be there. Let us enjoy it that way. Like I don't need this weird filter. So why does it keep happening? I don't know because nobody likes it. They they they. It feels like Square internally does not like raw pixels. Like they're afraid of them, right? Like they do everything mm-hmm. they can mm-hmm. to never show raw pixels. And I really think yeah. there's somebody in there that's like, oh no, we can't do that. That's not HD. You know? Right, that's not mm-hmm. HD. That's mm-hmm. it, right there. It's too bad because I love what, for example, what Konami's doing with the Suikoden collection. Like, yeah, leave great. those original gorgeous character sprites and then do the backgrounds, whatever you want with them because they're they're okay, but they're not like <sighs> yeah, they epic the way so those much sprites more. are. It's yeah, a, yeah. It's so yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's really weird. I've also been playing like a ton of Tactics Ogre Reborn. Like that's my main thing that I've been playing this week, and like. It's it's super weird how from a distance it kind of looks fine. Like if you pull the camera all the way out, it's it's like okay, cool. You know that looks yeah, fine. Yeah. And then like every time you inch the camera in closer, you're like, ooh, ooh, no, no, stop, <laughs> stop, go back, go back, go back. Go back. <laughs> That's a, so a hot tip if you ever play it on PSP. It starts zoomed in, so it's a little blurry. But as soon as the game starts, you just hold square, press down once, and it zooms out, so it's one to one pixel. And it looks oh, okay. absolutely mm-hmm. pristine, mm-hmm. unbelievably mm-hmm. crisp, which you don't get with this, uh, you know, the reborn, unfortunately. Mm. That's too bad. So yeah, I asked uh, Hiroaki Kato about the, the graphics. He was the producer on Tactics. Oh, OK. He said, initially, when we remade the pixel art, we were thinking about how to show it on new technology with high resolution screens. That was the main goal, to show the power and beauty of the original pixel art on modern technology without them looking terrible. If you took just took, for example, the SNES or the PSP graphics as they were and threw them up on a high-resolution modern monitor, they would look like a mosaic. You'd be unable to make anything out. We really did our best to make sure the new art would, on new monitors, be displayed nicely. We put in tons of really small pixels and really small dots to achieve that effect. The thing is, we achieved design that for most modern monitors that people would be using. But if you're seeing it on a small screen or maybe a trailer, it would look a bit, little bit strangely smooth. But if you played it on your home console or on a standard monitor, you would not feel any uh, oddness to the movement. It would all seem right. I, I disagree. I disagree. Yeah. yeah. I actually hmm. think it looks worse when experienced on a large TV screen because it really reveals. It's interesting because when you look at the pixel it. remasters uh, by Square Enix, you can see how they redid the pixels for more yeah. modern monitors mm-hmm. whereas yes if you did look at the 16-bit 
um, sprites, which were meant more for CRTs. And you had those like little points that would blur to certain areas and it could give them skin tone and whatnot. So I understand what the, the, what they're thinking, but the result is not great. I feel like the solution to this is just have an original graphics option, you know, yeah, like there you go. In the menu. Yeah. PSP graphics, pixelated full screen as an option, you know, that's it. This is just but a no. Square Enix thing. <laughs> they they always have to. It's like the Sonic cycle, the Square Enix cycle for remakes. It's mm. like, okay, it's great. <laughs> this is looking good. This is looking good. And then they just insert something where you're like, oh, God, why did you do that? I don't even understand. And I guess with Tactics Ogre, it would be the very smooth graphics. Mm. Yeah, that's that's about right. Uh, speaking of Sonic cycle, actually, I should say that was one of the other games I'm playing is Sonic Frontiers. So, oh, I played a bit of that too. I like it, but you know, it's not going to be for everyone. I think it's pretty interesting. I like mm. what they've done with it, but it has some. It's really bad on Switch. <laughs> I, I can believe that. Uh, I was playing on Xbox the other day, and uh, yeah, it's definitely better than Forces or God knows 06. Um, oh yeah, I think mm. Sterling they gave it a 1.5 out of 10. Uh, I don't it agree feels with that. like that kind of game where it's it's, a bit low. people are going to have a wide range yeah. of reactions to it. And I'll say as somebody who doesn't like 3D Sonic whatsoever, like I looked at this thing and was like, "Ooh, no, no, I'm not playing so, that. running around but, the open world as Sonic is actually pretty damn fun. Cool. Uh, but yeah. I would but say I think they could have done more with it for sure, but it's not bad. The fact that it's divisive is part partially what I think makes it so interesting, right? Right. When you right. have these big AAA games come out, everybody's like, oh, 95, you know, full whatever, maximum score, it's the best. Uh that's not interesting. When you have a game that gets anywhere from a 10 out of 10 to like a 1.5, and you have people that absolutely love it and then people that just detest it, I think that's that's a lot more like compelling as something mm-hmm. you want to mm-hmm. like look into. And there's a lot of weird stuff in it. And uh, again, not for everybody, but if it does click for you, I think it's pretty darn cool. So yeah, yeah, I'm a you fan. Could do worse. If this ever goes yeah. on Game Pass, I'll give it a shot. I'll it's a perfect Game it. Pass. I'll game. stream it on it's, on yeah. Blood God Twitch. Uh, should go there. <laughs> see that? Yeah. It's amazing how Sonic just has these these stands on Twitter. Sonic, our Sonic Frontiers review did very well, and there were a lot of mm. people talking about it on social and everything. As Sonic fans and the Sonic community in general, it's kind of wild. I think it's because it's a, a lot of young people, maybe teenagers, who are very online. Mm. And uh, so, yeah. so they want to talk about it. The Sonic Forces, uh, the Sonic Forces stands are truly something else, I have to say. Oh, I, I could sit here and, I don't like and that talk game. to you for like hours upon hours about the Sonic fandom online. Yeah. That's where it all started in the 90s. There were Mega Man fans, there were Sonic fans, there were Final Fantasy fans, and the Sonic fans. Or a lot, I think a lot of Christian kids who weren't allowed to com- to imbue anything <laughs> bad, but Sonic has like kind of an edge to him, so to speak. And it's like, here, mom, he's not swearing, he's cool. Like, okay, I'll let you, I'll let you get away with this. So I think from there, these children went online and it went downhill from there. I, I may be a Sonic fan, but I'm also a Christian, just like one of those really bad Maltese. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, no, I, that's what I was going to say, Nadia, is that like, I do think that there is a segment of Zoomer Sonic fans who grew up on some of the more recent 3D entries and For sure. uh, are super into it. And then there's also like there's stratums kind of like hell. Uh, there's there's different <laughs> layers to it like um, where 
there are also the older Sonic fans, the ones who have been around for ages, who have read like the comics and watched oh, yeah. the cartoons. Oh, and that's things me. Like that. Yeah, that's that's like the deep, the deep Sonic lore. And then you have kind of the Zoomer <laughs> the Sonic fans. Lore. And then you have like the young Sonic fans who maybe just watched the movie and their parents the let them play the Sonic the Hedgehog 2. The Zoomer fans are the ones who say Sonic Adventures 2. That's the best game of all time. That's, so, the that's maybe more millennial. That like okay. that's my that generation. Has a, um, my favorite Sonic soundtrack. Again, shout shout outs to a uh, friend of the show, Kenneth Shepard, who is a massive Shadow the Hedgehog fan. Yes. Uh, he recently purchased like a GameCube just so he could replay Shadow the Hedgehog, the video game. <laughs> Uh, it is a sickness I do not understand, but he hasn't tried to pitch it for Normandy yet. This so is who I am. <laughs> it's, but I, the the Zoomers are more like like Nadia said into things like Sonic Forces and Sonic. Um, even weirdly, like Sonic 06 has its defenders, which oh, I did not think was possible. But yeah, yeah it's it's wild. Uh, there's so many different like stratum of of Sonic fans that all kind of like different things about Sonic, but then come together over just the general idea of Sonic. It's fascinating in a That's way. That's why it's so difficult to make these games because exactly. it's exactly. impossible to please everyone. You can't do Sonic it. Mania came close <laughs> to pleasing everyone. Yeah, that's amazing. So good. But it's still not the 3D Sonic that that subsection of fans loves and nobody it, figured out how to make a sonic a 3d sonic that was actually good sorry i disagree but that's okay <laughs> oh, oh what what's the best 3d sonic to you is it sonic adventures too i think sonic generations is the best one it is yes. pretty good yeah it's very sonic very playable especially if you play it on xbox series x now it's uh 60 frames per second 4k oh, it feels really really nice cool i'm gonna it's have to the, check that it's out the best way to play it well, nothing can beat Sonic and the Dark Brotherhood, the time that Bioware decided oh, to make no. a Sonic RPG. Oh, I want to, if we do it, okay. That music. I've been I sitting take, on this, but that is my pandemonium pick. If we ever do a pandemonium. I will take another five years pick. to explain Ken Penders to all of you if I have to. <laughs> we could do a solid pandemonium with like Mega Man Command Mission, Sonic and oh, the Dark my Brotherhood. God. Are there Command any other? Mission is, yeah, I guess Command Mission would be a great pandemonium, actually, because I, like I've said recently, what a great battle system that just got kind of wasted. Paper Mario Sticker Star. Uh, yeah. Take we, classic franchises that got turned into RPGs. Turned into RPGs, go, yeah. Huh. I don't know hmm. if this quite worked. I'm sure that there's at least one more example. Lord of the Rings, the third age. Did people like, I, I feel oh, like people yeah. liked that one. We did That's a Pantheon Mini on that one, actually. Yeah. Oh, we um, did, yeah. It wasn't a, what I would call a good game. It was just it had an interesting history. Uh, you should go back and listen to our <laughs> Pantheon mini episode that we did during the Summer of the Rings mm-hmm. uh, last year. So, um, as for me, I am kind of playing. I'm dabbling in God of War Ragnarok. I'm kind of. Mm. I, I would oh, like right, to right. finish that game. It's all right so far. Um, it looks really nice on my 120 FPS monitor and everything. Um, very similar. It picks up directly after where God of War 2018 oh, yeah. left off. Very light RPG elements, uh, as is the part for the course with Sony prestige titles. So, you know, equipping the one accessory, the, the armor, the axe. They have colors, uh, which tells you that there's rarity, but it doesn't really matter in this game. No. Because it's, it's fully action-based. It's fully very twitch. Uh, lots of parries, that kind of thing. Like I said, it looks quite good. Very, very pretty game. 
and everything. Uh, I have no other. I have no further comments about mm. God of War twenty eighteen. And also, uh, my life has been taken over by Marvel Snap, and what you see is only a shell mm. of a human <laughs> being. Is Kratos and Marvel Snap yet? No, <laughs> I don't be. really want him to be. Actually, uh, Kratos is one of my least favorite video game characters, which makes it remarkable that I've played God of War 1, okay. God of War 2, 2018, 20, you know. I've played a lot of God of War. I've never liked Kratos. Uh, I've liked God of War in spite of Kratos, I would say. Yeah, there, yeah. There is a revisionist history happening right now, and I'm glad this has come up. You know, this is we need to take a stand against it because I have heard multiple times in the last week or so that – Oh, Kratos, is he one of the greatest video game protagonists of all time? No. Kratos wasn't even a good video game protagonist for most of his video games. <laughs> like no. He was just like the poster boy for edgelord early aughts video game characters who love to smash women in a grinder to solve a puzzle. Like that was Kratos in that He's early a David trilogy. Jaffe character. Let's be yeah, honest. Basically. Yes. And, and he, like he could be in Twisted Metal. And, and, and yeah, is part exactly. of that why 2018 was so successful because they did that about face and tried to address it? Yes. But are there like more compelling video game protagonists? Absolutely. You've got Geralt of Rivia right there. You've got Kazuma Kiryu right there. You've why are Sonic we going? Sonic the Hedgehog. Come on. Damn right. Right yeah. there. Even, right the there. even Sonic, you know, character growth is really important. <laughs> I look, uh, at, I look yeah. at Kratos and I see a toxic dad. Uh, most of the time, I'm kind of rooting more for Atreus, and I'm rooting for all the characters around him that Kratos keeps ending up killing. I don't feel a lot of sympathy for him, to tell you the so truth. So is Kratos like Bojack Horseman, where everyone around him suffers because he can't get yeah, his shit together? big sad dad energy, except that he's like kind of gruff. And I'm playing, I'm playing as him, but I don't want to play as him mm, necessarily. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, he really needs like some skincare. He's not looking so great, very ragged these days. Like get some exfoliation, Kratos. Um, yeah, so I find the world and the villains and virtually every character in God of War interesting, except Kratos. Kratos is a crater. I suppose so. Yeah, but uh, but he appeals to a certain subset of uh, fans who really enjoy him, but. Uh, I don't know. I I guess I still like the game though. Like I liked Cod of War twenty eighteen because the uh, the Valkyrie fights really kind of tapped into that similar sort of um, Dark Souls energy uh, for me. Because or even like eight bit eight uh, bit pl- uh, platformers and whatnot, where you had a boss where you had to memorize the patterns. And you had to be very uh, intentional about it. You couldn't just run in and start attacking them because you would die. Um, and to me, those fights elevated that game. Also, you know me, I like a good Valkyrie in a video game. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I hope they have something as good as that in God of War Ragnarok. Also, Mango Alt says Odin is incredible in Ragnarok. It feels like they just cast Steve Buscemi as right as Odin for some reason. It's very strange. <laughs> I don't even you know, know I'm what to do with like it. God myself. Uh, yeah, he does. He has this weird, like, uh, used car salesman energy when he comes in. Yeah. Like, mm. oh, we're gonna make a deal here. Uh, you know, it's, it's he's it's he's just evil Toby. He's evil Toby from the West Wing. <laughs> it's it's kind of incredible. Oh yeah, yeah. Is wait, is Richard Schiff playing Odin in Ragnarok? Is that why he sounds familiar? 
Yeah, yeah. That's oh. Richard Schiff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Why is well, Richard Schiff appear, appearing in everything lately? Because he also appeared in <laughs> Wakanda Forever. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he appears <laughs> I at the I haven't beginning. seen the movie yet, so. <laughs> He's at the very beginning of Wakanda Forever. By the way, huh. Wakanda Forever is good. And I, okay. I, I didn't hate it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I didn't like Namor as much as other people did, I, I guess. But, um, but yeah. I, I guess I'm just indulging in all of the pop culture. Maybe I'll get back to the true light of RPGs uh, really soon. Beware the science. How are you doing, fellow gods, truly? Okay. Time now for a series of random encounters. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 Patch 9 is coming. The game is on track for release in 2023 and they will share more in December. God, uh, 2023 is just looking absolutely loaded. So mm-hmm. many amazing yeah. games amazing rpgs uh it felt it's felt like we've had a little bit of a drought over the past couple years but i think i am really pumped for next year uh final fantasy 14 patch 6.3 arrives in early january uh nadia is this a big deal uh i actually have not caught up on the live letter yet so i can't exactly tell you but probably raid updates and stuff like that um yeah, I haven't caught up on that news yet, so I can't tell you. They're very helpful. The, the point threes are usually like Point's where down. either some grand arc comes to an end from the previous game or some big story beats are also set up for whatever the next expansion is. And considering that like Endwalker kind of ended its story within its story, um, which is rare for, for Final Fantasy 14, I think most of the previous expansions kind of ended their stories, you know, conclusively but then had like a little bit left to resolve yeah for the, for yeah. the post patches and walker like very much cut off with the end of end walker so i do think that 6.3 is going to be interesting because they have more kind of things to set up with where we're going next and well what i'm trying we're to think next. like what they would they would be finishing because that's what i was kind of going over in my head like uh you have the gods the, the gods raids like yeah so there i think there's a new i think there's a new branch of the the large raid the 24 man 24 yeah um 24 man raid uh there's a new branch of that there's more island sanctuary content that's all Uh, that's all my shit right there (laughs) i maxed out my island sanctuary i can fly bitch and i got the atv or whatever that weird motorcycle is i love it just going through ultima Uh thule Mm -hmm. on a motorcycle Eat non-existence, bitches. There's there's still stuff to do, and they still kind of need to set up where 
the story that they're going with is going. Yeah. The main story itself right now has to deal with the Void, which has some really gorgeous Final Fantasy IV repurposed like, stuff from Troia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I want to know is for the it's the God Raid I'm kind of interested in because we fought uh, Nodthal, the, the mm-hmm. patron mm-hmm. saint of, um, patron god of uh, Ulda. Ulda. Yeah, yeah. Are we going to do Gridania next? I really, really want to meet... Uh, uh, what's her name? Athena, oh, who's my oh, warrior okay. of lights, patron goddess. Yeah, I was gonna say Helone is like in the pool. I think. I mean, we're gonna Helone fight would all be, the gods. If, so. if it's if it's Helone, then it's gonna be. I think Helone is the consort of uh, of Limsa, uh, not Limsa of Mephina. Um, oh. So, oh, or gotcha. they're related to some in some regard. So, gotcha. probably gotcha, be gotcha. paired together. Oh, looking forward to that then. This is your 14 hour here. Yes, we're talking Excellent about the Pantheon. <laughs> it's Pantheon Day, isn't it? We talk about the Greek Pantheon, talk about the Final Fantasy 14 Pantheon. This is my penance for bring, talking about Marvel Snap so much last week. <laughs> Netflix's Dragon Age Absolution drops in December. Eric says it looks fine, and I agree. I watched the trailer for it. I was like, I was actually had an opportunity to review it, and I was like, eh, I think I'm fine. It's, uh, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks like. This is not the first animated Dragon Age thing no. that EA has mm. done, and that was similarly fine, if I recall correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we covered it for Normandy, and it was just like even it's better than the Mass Effect one was. I didn't think the Mass Effect's animated short that they did was very good at all, um, mostly because it centered on the most boring character in the Mass Effect universe. Uh, shout outs to James Vega, but <laughs> uh, I Dragon Age Absolution kind of looks like. I think a lot of franchises are trying to do like here is like what could be a tabletop campaign setting within our world. You know, Edge Runners was kind of that. Edge Runners was essentially a tabletop campaign played out across a, a short series. And I, th- I think a lot of people looked at things like Critical Role and said like, why aren't we doing like yeah. short series that are kind of like, oh, this is a party that's doing a thing. And and I, Vox Machina's. A little too recent for that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's like a major source of inspiration for this stuff moving forward. So, uh, Vox Machina was a fine-looking show, but the it's almost a little too flash animation for me in terms of the actual uh, the actual look of the show. Sports Story will finally arrive in December. It's a sports RPG, if it counts. I'm actually looking mm. forward to that one because yeah, I don't yeah. care for it looks golf. Cool. But there are many, many, uh, but Golf Story was one of the very praised early Nintendo Switch games. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I love a, I love a good sports RPG. Let's do it. Tales of Symphony Remastered is out in February. Uh, Pokemon oh. Scarlet and Violet leaks are out there. So stay frosty, everybody. You didn't let Mass me Effect rant got about a that. Teaser. <laughs> and yes, it's uh, Mass Effect 5, not 4. Can you, can you explain this to me, uh, Eric? So many people keep calling it Mass Effect right. 4. It's Andromeda not Mass have, Effect 4. Dude, Andromeda totally, exists. <laughs> I totally forgot that Andromeda exists for just Me a too, second. I was like, there's only the trilogy. And, what are you talking about? And they're even <laughs> like, they're teasing that Andromeda might play a part in this somehow. Please, and do, please no. Just let Andromeda <laughs> be in its own galaxy. Mass Effect Zero. That's it. Real, real talk. <laughs> like, if you want the Eric Head theory for where you, th- I think they're going with this. I think Andromeda gives them the out to bring the Geth back because there is the idea that Geth could have gone to the Andromeda galaxy in some way and avoided the whole mess at the end of Mass Effect Three. Where spoilers, you probably end up destroying the Geth. They're probably going to canonize the destroy. So what ending. you're saying is that they'll just do for the Geth what Voyager did for the Borg. 
It's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, the, God, the get the, the get the here. went away to Andromeda, and like the Andromeda Galaxy figures out how to contact the Milky Way Galaxy and get like a a trade route set up, and then the Geth come back over, and that's it's it's either that or they find a Geth buried, and they're like, oh, this Geth survived. That's so wild. Voyager realized that none of the aliens they introduced <laughs> in the Delta Quadrant worked. They're like, nobody cared about the Kazon crap. Or yeah. what we need, we bring yeah. we bring back the cool robots. The same, the same with the Ket and Andromeda, who are a very boring antagonist, honestly. Um, and like, I, I'll be the first one to tell you, I've played Mass Effect Andromeda a significant amount, and uh, it's it doesn't have a lot to pull on that I think is going to be relevant to Mass Effect Five, but. It, and thank God for that. It still exists. It still well, the, is no, part of the, the story. The combat is good, but the, God, everything else is, is bad. That. Yeah, being able <laughs> to swap between like the paradigms and and being yeah. able to be all the classes and just kind of invest in which classes you wanted to be effective at was a really smart way of moving that that combat forward. But yeah, everything anyway, else. The teaser, the teaser was a piece of concept art, and you could hear Liara, uh, Liana, Liara, Liara, Liara saying. Yeah. I want to say Liana, Liara uh, saying um, uh, the council will be furious along those, something along those lines. So. They're always mad. It's kind of sad. They're always mad. <laughs> what are they not furious? Um, and finally, Ash Ketchum finally is truly the greatest Pokemon trainer of all time. He did it, everybody. He's a Pokemon mm-hmm. master. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that news was trending on Twitter. Look, Ash won. Nobody, everybody forgets that Ash finally won in Sun and Moon. He finally won a major yeah. tournament. He's like England, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> England in the Euros. It took uh, England hasn't won a major trophy since 1964. Uh, but then the women finally won the Euros. Good job, all of them. But uh, actually, from from the sound of it, that episode uh, that just aired that concluded the Sword and Shield series was like lit. It was like awesome, mm-hmm. like a total summation of like 25 years of Pokemon. I'm like. Damn, I might actually have to watch this. Yeah, apparently they yeah. have a theme song, like the Japanese theme there's song. There's a theme the song. There's um, a bit where like Pikachu like standing yeah. up with all of po- Ash's Pokemon from over the years. Yeah, there's like, there's yeah. a bit where like Pikachu passes out mid fight, and you think he's going to faint and all that, and then he like visits. I don't know, purgatory or something. <laughs> and all of Ash's Pokemon, old Pokemon are there. So you see like Pokemon you haven't seen in ages, like Butterfree, uh, the primate that he had, or is it primate oh or a manky? I can't remember. No, it's um, a primate. <laughs> there's there's a which is the crab one, the the king. Oh, Crab is it becomes it really a Kingler. It evolves yeah, to Kingler. Kingler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Lapras is there, Snorlax is there. Uh, all the ones that I don't care about that came after the <laughs> red and blue gold silver and era. Others. Yeah, and others. And all the rest. But <laughs> and it was so and so. It was a cool way because one of the main dramas, as I've learned, uh as I've continued my descent into Pokemon uh, is that going into this championship, Ash was like making a big decision about what his team was going to be. So they had an episode where he had a bunch of like basically all the Pokemon he's ever collected. And he was like trying to figure out what his team was going to be and who, who could fight with him he, in the he does world this championship. At the end of re- he does this with every tournament. Now he goes back to professor Oaks, like ranch mm-hmm. or whatever. And he picks up his team because he mm-hmm. has, and that's the way that they bring back all the Pokemon from the older. I, I like, like pro- that. That's Ash good. is quite powerful now. He's got like an Infernape. Uh, he had his, like a, gr- a special Greninja. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, like it's pretty crazy. It's a, it's a far cry from the kid who didn't even know how to catch it's, a freaking. He's basically Caterpie. got 
a yeah. small private military <laughs> hanging out <laughs> in Oak's Ash box. Could, like, take over the world. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> he had that Pokemon in his team. Uh, that's that weird. It's based on that weird misconstructed skeleton that has like the weird fish head, and it says in the Lord that this thing is in agony every minute it's awake, and he has mm-hmm. that on his team. Because mm-hmm. Ash wants it's just results. Silently screaming. <laughs> that's his Pokemon cry. <laughs> <laughs> it is basically. It's like it was based on that weirdo who put together the skeletons in the British Museum wrong or something like that. And you had like this weird ass dinosaur that wasn't a dinosaur. And that's kind of what if you read the lore in the game, it's like, oh, well, what a stupid looking animal when it's clearly put together wrong. And it's basically it like wrong. You can either have a fish that like is on land and can't breathe or you could have like a, a dinosaur that can't stop sneezing. It's honestly terrifying. And this is in his this is in his team. And it's Sometimes smiling. Dead is better. It's smiling. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> anyway, I just had to get that off my mind. Oh <laughs> That's a Pokemon pit for you. Anyways, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet's out next week. But our main topic is Star Ocean, the Divine Force, the latest entry in the Star Ocean series, which somehow still keeps going against all odds. Uh, it took us years and years to finally get a new and very bad Valkyrie profile game, but oh, Star sorry. Ocean keeps uh, getting cranked <laughs> out. Um, it's the Divine Force, the first Star Ocean game since 2016. From our friend of the show, Scott White, writing for Star- RPG site, Star Ocean The Divine Force impressed me far more than I was expecting to. I was hoping for an experience that wasn't as dull as the previous game, and I came away with fond memories and hope for the series again. It doesn't quite reach the highs of the first few Star Ocean games, but it is easily my favorite of the more modern entries of the franchise. I once again look forward to sailing through the ocean of stars. If you uh, look at it, uh, all the characters kind of have this interesting Cupid doll look that I find yeah. a little unsettling. Yeah. Very uncanny valley. We're going to the stars, yay! Um, It has a little bit of that Xenoblade look. You're running through a a big open world. It's become Mm -hmm. a very popular Mm -hmm. thing in uh, JRPGs. Uh, I have to say that um, as a quote-unquote modern-gen game, it's more of a PS4 game, I want to say, but um, it does look very good outside of the kind of the freaky QB games. But John, as the tech guy... Yeah. Playing Star Ocean Divine Force, maybe you have some more perspective on this. Oh, uh, yeah. So the way I should say, first of all, I actually do like this series, but primarily the first three. Uh, at once four and five, I never really got into. I felt like they just lost something. And coming back to the Divine Force, which, by the way, was actually done by Triace by a lot of the same people that worked on all the prior games, whereas oh. the new Valkyrie game has nothing to do with Triace. So it's a completely separate studio. Uh, but you can really feel this. And I would describe the divine force as a modern PS2 game. Mm. So it, mm-hmm. it feels that very much praise. like, yeah, exactly. I say that in a way that it really hooked me because this is not a modern style game. It has modern trimmings. I think their, their internal technology actually produces some pretty nice visuals. Like the vistas are good. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a nice looking game. The characters, I agree, are really weird and doll-like. Uh, I mean, they got Akimon to do the designs, who was like the original creator of all the Street Fighter characters, which is interesting. But and the, the actual 2D art is really nice of them, but the, the way they look in-game, it's very strange. But the, the worlds themselves are beautiful. But you mentioned Xenoblade, but what's different than that is that 
this actually consists of multiple smaller they look big but the maps are all very carefully designed and smaller scale in a way so it's not actually an open world game at all and i actually find that more appealing because it really mm. progresses more like an old school rpg or even you know just like older tri-ace games which is why it feels more like a ps2 game um so in that sense I, that immediately hooked me but the thing that really that have, have any of you guys really sat down and played much of this yet by the way I played a little no, bit of it. No, yeah. So, so the thing that, that's really cool about this is the Duma, which is like this like weird jetpack, basically. Think about it. So you get into combat. Cool. So the old games were always known for action-based combat, right? Star Ocean mm-hmm. 1, along with um, t- the Tales, first Tales game, Tales of Fantasia, they were among the first games ever to do like pseudo turn-based battles but actually it's kind of like action you know real-time action with limitations right like you have action points and all that uh and this is the first time they've done star ocean where everything is completely seamless on the world so you encounter it like you would in xenoblade but the difference here is that the action is far more fast-paced and more impactful like the jetpack you use, you can literally just like lunge at enemies and they use this blindside mechanic. So you see an enemy, you can dash super fast to the right or left or above and just like launch into them. And it just has this like pace and like feel to it. That is really awesome. Like once you start playing it, like the battle system just feels fantastic. And it's got this whole combo maker system essentially where you have square triangle and circle like on PlayStation that's that's your essentially your attack buttons right but you can assign any of your moves you want to them so you can build combos you can do either tap the button Mm. for multiple taps or you can do a hold you can even do things like you could have like two combo attacks you can insert like a healing action and then do another combo kind of thing where you're like mixing and matching the stuff to make your own like custom attacks basically and so it's all kind of derived from that while you control one character there's AI controls the others, but it has that Final Fantasy VII remake style kind of where you kind of pause the game, you know, right. and select. You can like choose items and do all that kind of stuff as well. But from a pure combat perspective, it just feels great. The world design is interesting. And because it's not an open world, each place you go to can have a, its own unique feel which is really key, right? Like it doesn't feel like you're just going through one big open world. It's like, oh, you're going through a a series of interesting maps, basically. Uh, And then there's dungeons, of course, and all that as well. And the storytelling, um, I appreciate, I I like the cast so far. I have not finished it, but I think Raymond is especially a pretty cool lead, despite his crazy hair, because he's like an adult, right? Like (laughs) he's a guy that's been doing space travel for years and get stranded on this planet you know that's the the, the whole kind of thing but he's like not a kid he's seen the world he's kind of weary of things and he he doesn't have that like kind of bright-eyed optimism you often see with jrpg heroes where you know like we're gonna go save the world it's it's much more small scale especially at first because you you don't you basically got shot down by what seemed to be a friendly vessel at the beginning and you're just trying to find your crew on this weird planet and you want run across, you know, a couple people that kind of, you kind of join up with and you're trying to help each other. And I like that kind of slightly lower stakes sort of setup, you know? Right. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I found that interesting. I, I, I guess I'm kind of rambling here, but uh, 
I do, I do think it's a really nice mix of, of good technology with like an old school design, mm-hmm. really snappy combat, decent storytelling, despite the weird doll like character designs. Mm-hmm. And even the soundtrack is actually good. Like star ocean is the one like series where I feel like Sakuraba can actually like shine. Like his stuff in tales is usually pretty generic and boring. I feel, but uh, in yeah. star ocean, it feels like he brings out the big guns and they just allow him to go crazy with like this, prog rock symphony if you will mm, mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. which i do enjoy he's like wailing on the keyboard and stuff it's <laughs> it's a bit crazy but i i like it it's good so i don't know i i, I am a fan of this game and i do feel like this is a star ocean game that was made for older school fans of star ocean mm. but i don't necessarily know that it's gonna like catch a huge audience right this doesn't feel like a big fresh thing it's just like well this is trice making a game no, that they it- wanted to make based on their old IP. So, which is what I problem. wish Valkyrie had been. Square blunderbuss. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's so right. The problem with the square blunderbuss of uh, RPGs is that games like Star Ocean and Harvestella just aren't they get getting lost. enough love. And I would even say Tax mm-hmm. Ogre mm-hmm. as well. They're just kind of yeah. dumping them onto the market. Uh, I, I have to say that I, this just makes me really salty about Valkyrie Elysium mm. because uh-huh. Star yeah. Ocean got a game that feels faithful to, to the original series, even though it's you know, it's an action game. Mm-hmm. It's a full-on action game on an overworld and everything. It still kind of has the look and the feel of a Star Ocean game and from the storytelling perspective and everything. Whereas uh, Valkyrie Elysium feels kind of divorced from yeah. the core series. It's very mm-hmm. strange. It's a very Zero strange connection game. There. And you could tell it was another developer because it's just... It, it's yeah. so weird. It just doesn't feel like Valkyrie at all. And I mean, Trius themselves, every time they made a Valkyrie game, they kind of changed the formula, right? Like Valkyrie Profile 2 is pretty different from the first one. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the portable stuff, but they're all good, except for this new one. <laughs> so, <laughs> except for this new one. Yeah, I, I'm, it, not, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. It's just boring, the new one. Yeah. But, but it kind of is. Too bad. Yeah. Star Ocean, oh. also, weirdly enough, is challenging which may or may, at least I find so like there's, there's certain points where you'll run up against the boss that just kind of kicks your butt and you, it really like pushes you to learn the systems to get through it. And that feels satisfying somehow. So, and if you want, when you die at a boss, it just immediately brings up a retry option. And oh, even there you can nice. set the difficulty down if you want. Uh, so like uh, they, they kind of added some of the more modern touches like that, where you don't have to go back to old saves. You can save anywhere you want. There's retries that stuff like that. So that part is a little more modern. I'd say I, I was going to say, because, uh, I didn't get the chance to mention this earlier about tactics ogre reborn. But one thing I've been noticing with that game specifically is I, I run into situations where I'm like, oh, I kind of wish this game had some difficulty settings <laughs> in yeah. some parts because some of the changes they've made to that game also make it like way harder than it used to be, even on the PSP version. And uh, it's it's good to hear that there are like options for that in something like Star Ocean, because I do feel that as much as they're trying to appeal to older players, there's probably also a new subset of players they want to bring in as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Because this is like the first game in six years or something like that for, for the series. It's been a while since we've had a new star ocean. One, one thing that's interesting as well, the jetpack thing I mentioned for combat is cool, 
but it also they allow you to explore the maps in a weird way where you can essentially shoot yourself up into the air and then glide down anywhere it's like when you first go into a town uh you can kind of just jump and like fly up on top of all the buildings and there's stuff hidden up there and just weird things all over the place that's pretty cool it, it uh, almost feels I like, like that about ease nine when you can yeah, like, kind of use the, the batman grappling hook it's exactly like East Nine style. Yeah. yeah, it does have a bit of that where it's just like, whatever, go ahead, explore. But because it feels more like PS2 era in terms of design, it's a weird amount of freedom that you're not used to in those games because it feels right. like you should be constrained. But no, you can just kind of climb wherever the heck you want, which is cool. It's interesting to see the number of major franchises that just keep. Uh, major Japanese RPG franchises that keep trending more and more to overworld action. You're seeing a a, a convergence in which every game kind of looks like Xenoblade or The Witcher. We're seeing this about Final Fantasy 16 as well. Um, I was reminded also of Tales of Arise, a game that is more action-oriented uh, than ever, though quite beautiful. It is. It is. Um, Of course, Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, I've come to terms with it. Honestly, I I find that kind of combat to be pretty enjoyable. It's not as tactical as I would like. I I would like more turn based RPGs. But what can I say? It's fun, and um, yeah, I I didn't mind the combat in Star Ocean, and in many ways, the original Star Ocean. And its sequels always felt like they wanted to be action RPGs, but were kind of constrained in this. I actually prefer the overworld to the kind of let's go into the arena and then fight some enemies and then leave the arena and then come back in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was just a technical limitation of the era, right? Like where they couldn't actually pull it off and now they actually can. And the battles are not that different from old in, in many ways, but because they happen on the map, it feels very seamless. Including things like if you want to run away from a battle, you literally just run away, right? And then it's like, oh, that's you've escaped. That's always great. So <laughs> that's good. Did you all play uh, Hexus Force? Do you remember this one? No, I don't. No, not at all. Pretty obscure. It was a RPG on the PSP. It's from Sting, the company that did oh. Riviera. Evolution and on Dreamcast. Future Union. <laughs> yeah. Compared to like Knights in the Nightmare, Hexus Force was actually a pretty traditional RPG, but its main conceit was that you had two protagonists who had their own stories, and you could pick which one you wanted to do, uh, which one you wanted to play as at the start of the game. And uh, that reminds me a little bit of what uh, Star Ocean the Divine Force does, because you can pick your protagonist um, at the beginning of the game, and you see different aspects of the game depending on uh, which which perspective you ended up choosing. So it sounds like you uh, ended up picking uh, Ray. Yeah, um, with Raymond. Yeah. Uh, what did you, what do you think of this conceit, John? Uh, it's an interesting idea. I, 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 I like starting, but it kind of reminds me of uh, also something like Cyberpunk 2077, right? Where, you know, you pick from one of three intros, but then it all kind of converges into the same thing. I haven't actually done both intros in Star Ocean, so I don't know how much it differs. Uh, but I mean, obviously, the way it begins with Ray could not have, you know, there can't be a similarity there since he's up in space at that time. And it's that's the thing that gives you the hint of, oh, there is 
sci-fi here and it will come back but you're going to spend some time in the woods as you always do in these games uh it's i think scarlet nexus did this as well where they had like kind of two character viewpoints and and you could kind of like play them out and they'd have like different areas they went to and different parties they worked with and then they'd kind of like converge and one one party would kind of be like oh hey here's what's happening here's what we were doing while you were over there is there kind of that where they're still like kind of apprising you of the different sides or i don't feel that so much to be honest because they've mostly you spend a lot of time together at that point once you've connected so it just and also in battle you can control any character Right. Okay, so it's so, not like branching off that heavily. So it's much. more just kind of like you you have a different central yeah. character who's you get the a different point. perspective, I suppose, okay. on on where they come from and all that. So, um, and well, I guess again, I haven't actually played both sides yet, so I don't know how much it differs. But I suppose mm. when walking around town and doing all that, you know, I'm controlling Raymond, so I would assume you would c- control Leticia, and there would actually be you know, some differences in how you approach that style stuff, but I have to try it. I'm curious now. Cause I, you know, once I started the game, I just kept going, but that, that is an interesting point that it just held on to you. Yeah. No, I, I've it's, it's been good just playing this one in the evening and it's a fun game. Definitely. That was me, uh, and bravely default too last year. Oh yeah. I started it thinking to myself, yeah, I'll play this game a bit. And then, it just held on to me and I ended up playing through the entirety of it and really, really, really enjoying it. So it's kind of a fun feeling when a game does that to you. Yeah. Especially when it's one that's not necessarily expected. It's like not considered a quote unquote big game, right? Mm-hmm. It just kind of comes along and you just find it. It's comforting and fun. And that, those are often the best surprises. What are you playing it sure. on? Uh, PlayStation five. It's on uh, I Steam. Just, I could. I'm kind of curious to see if it's I a think, good Steam Deck game. I think it's okay on PC, from what I've heard. Um, yeah. You know, I tried the demo and it was best on PS5, but I didn't try a PC demo, and mainly because you get 60 FPS on PS5, uh, which is nice okay. yeah. for that game. Which is that harkens back to Starship Three on PS2, which was 60 FPS, but then the newer ones they kind of they were mixed. Battles were 60, but Overworld was 30. Mm. Is the, the game the, on the Switch? No. No, I guess it wouldn't be. I don't think it would work very well on the Switch, because they are doing some pretty impressive tech on there. I think it would be right. like a Sonic <laughs> a Frontier-style port <laughs> oh, at dear. best. Uh, so not great. <laughs> what is your history with the series, John? Um, So the first one I actually played was a translated version of stars and one through an emulator back in the nineties, I think when they oh, actually yeah. supported the SDD one chip that was in there. And I, since I got a cartridge of that and then I played second story on PlayStation and I really enjoyed that despite the voices, which are painful at times, the English voice acting is really bad. And because of that, I was, and then Valkyrie profile and after Valkyrie profile, you could have said, I would have said that, Trice was one of my favorite developers. So I was like, wow, I like these mm. Star Ocean games. Mm-hmm. I love Valkyrie Profile. This is amazing. Uh, and then I liked Star Ocean 3 as well. I know that was very divisive, especially with the whole 
surprise ending thing where it's like, oh, you're actually in like a video game kind of thing. It's like, oh no, oh. they did that. Oh no, they, yeah. but it was it was like 2003. You know, it was cyber time. It was yeah. the era of everything cyber. It was exactly it was that no, kind of thing, and it was you're actually the developer on the video game at Ubisoft, and you were working on the video game. <laughs> yes. oh. oh god, so, that was my life. But layers yeah. within layers. <laughs> Three had some weirdness to it, but it's a it's a really well playing game. I thought I liked it a lot, despite that. But then, for whatever reason, I didn't really like four. I never got made progress in it i just mm. something about it felt off for uh consistently the, it's not a well-loved entry in the series i think uh d- a lot of people would say it's the worst one yeah maybe so though integrity and faithlessness the fifth one feels insanely low budget to to a way that it kind of hurts it you know where it's just mm. like you can tell that they had very few resources it's a cheap game it doesn't feel great it's it's okay but it felt like, oh, this is the end of Star Ocean, mm-hmm. which is why this one was such a surprise because it feels more. This actually feels like a follow up to three to me, at least. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is this is the successor that I had been wanting for, you know, almost 20 years. So and it doesn't feel like it's evolved that far from, from in many ways, which is actually a positive thing because it doesn't just I don't want every game to borrow all like the best practices if you know what i mean like i understand why they're called best practices but when you have something like this it just has its own weird flavor that that's mm-hmm. kind of engaging and i like that about it we're truly coming full circle we're returning to the beginning and realizing that actually those ps2 games that we were playing in the early 2000s were very good oh yeah and <laughs> we were trying to get away from the light of god but now we have returned and everything is well but <laughs> i uh the original Star Ocean, I so I played Valkyrie Profile first, and then I saw Star Ocean uh, Second Story a lot on the shelf, mm-hmm. um, but I was always scared off by it because mm. the reviews were kind of mixed, and so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this game probably isn't that good, ultimately, because uh, I put a lot of stock in game reviews. Oh, uh, yeah. My mistake. Okay. <laughs> and then I, uh, I picked up Star Ocean till the end of time, like very cheap. I think in probably like the late 2000s or something like that. And I was very bored by it, actually. Oh, okay. Because I was going in hoping for a much more sci fi take. And then mm. the first thing you do is crash on a medieval planet. They love to. Um, I mean, that, that's the thing that they always do in these <laughs> games. But uh, yeah, there is sci fi in it, but it takes a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I love you know, that. You, you do get to that point. Um, and I didn't really care for the battle system and such at the time. So. I bounced off it pretty hard, and then um, the successive Star Ocean games just made me less and less interested in the series, unfortunately. It's always been that weird C-tier RPG, and actually, oh, I'm yeah. a little surprised that it's still going, honestly. like It feels like it's, an upset that the series is still going. It's got to be the passion of the developers like driving it, right? Because mm-hmm. all the guys that have been working on the series since the beginning, a lot of them are still there. They're still at Trice. Their names are still on these things. Like it has to be them driving this. Like they wanted to make more Star Ocean, clearly, and they were able to do it. Because I don't see any other reason why Square would make this game, right? Yeah. Like unless Trice is like, we want to make this game. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, at this point, name recognition trumps everything. 
in a lot of ways. And for better or worse, people do know what Star Ocean is. They're like, yeah, I know that name. Sure, I'll play yeah. it, I guess. For sure. Yeah, like I, it was never a series I was into, but the name is always there. Like, and I, for sure, if I have time, I will definitely check out five. But, for like yeah. RPG diehards, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So one and two actually did get a pseudo remakes on PSP as well. Yeah, which are but they never good. came out here. Mm. Yeah, they did. Oh no! They, okay, they did. They did. They absolutely uh, did. They're they're both in fully in English. So, which was I think that was the first time Star Ocean One got an official English translation too. Mm. Right. Because the Super was, Famicom game did not. By the the SNES game never yeah, coming yeah, out yeah. in the US. No, that, right. That was uh too expensive. That I was believe. from the era when. When SNES cars just got too big to translate, didn't they? Yeah, like the, it's such a big game, and it has this like crazy compression chip in it that exactly. like makes it really expensive. And also, like if you've played that one, the orig- the introduction to that game has full voice acting, which is weird for a Super NES game. Like it's so not that's the same quality, with like, but the whole it's like Tales, right? With the Tales and Fantasia and yeah. Secret of Mana, Second yeah. Two Three. Those yeah, yeah, games exactly. Was just like we couldn't translate them because they'll be too big. You can't forget exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, nope, can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, that's a bummer. But they did come on PSP, and those those versions are good. In the uh, the chat, where the slime says, "I'm here for the epic revival of B and C tier JRPG franchises." Are, yes. I'm, I'm, what are some other C tier JRPG franchises that deserve another chance? I'll go first. Wild Arms. Oh, you stole the one that I was going to say. You stole that one. You yeah. stole it. I got you. Yeah. That one really, more than anything else, needs a revival. Oh, Wild Arms. <sighs> They're so good. God, the first game yeah. is one of my favorites of all time. Also, criminally underrated, but four and five, I think, are phenomenal games. The battle I system is those yet. unbelievable in those games, and I can't understand how nobody's picked up on trying to do that. They use like a hex system, but in a really interesting way, and they're super good. And I always felt like Wild Arms 5... And some something about the tone and feel, it always felt like this weird spiritual follow up to Skies of Arcadia to me, mm. uh, which made it really right. appealing. And I just I love that game, so you definitely check it out if you get a chance. They should bring it back though. It's interesting that both like Wild Arms and uh, Shadow Hearts, another one that would kind of slot into this category, are getting their you know quote unquote spiritual successors now through Kickstarter, um, and. I I look forward to those. Yeah, okay, Teeps. That that was I was building up to that. Is that Breath of Fire Breath of seems like one. one that oh, would be a really yeah. good one to come back. Breath of Fire uh, Five was just way too ahead of its time. It would have so survived oh, in today's Master environment. Dragon Quarter. Yeah, Dragon it's, Quarter. It's just got, For sure, that series has a look like that. That series is one that I don't. I've never played one, but I always see the box art or the game art, and I'm like. Oh, that has a look like that. It's it's the same way I feel about Lunar, a series that I do enjoy because it's just got a look. It looks like a Saturday morning anime and it's just, oh, it's I want to see good. a follow up to Dragon Quarter, but with visuals that look more like the box art from all these sure. games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, want I wasn't we'll a big fan of the visuals for, for Dragon Quarter. Yeah, we'll definitely do a Breath of Fire Pantheon next year, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. There, yeah, I think so. There are enough games to support it, I think. And I'll let Nadia host it. And I'll take a month <laughs> off and it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, I'll play I'll play that one. I'll jump in for that. And yes, slimes, I agree. Lunar remaster. Someone find whoever has the lunar property and we need to make this happen. It's been too much. We got the like mini, the Genesis Mini 2, and didn't oh, yeah. get 
didn't I'm get so Lunar in the that. States. The it's Japanese so... version did. The Genesis, oh, man. Genesis yeah. Mini 2 is such a, is such a missed weird. opportunity, I think. So yeah. frustrating. I think based on the fact that all the models are the Japanese units, they don't have the right power button, it all ships out of Japan. Like I don't think Sega of America wanted to pay Victor Island what he wanted. They're just like, nope, we're not I doing mean, it. We're not even getting it in Canada. Like It's not... No, it's not shipping right. here. It's not it's, coming here. But it's just you, frustrating. Beware uh. the slimes, though. There was the Lunar remaster. Well, actually, two. The PlayStation Saturn version is kind yeah. of a remaster, yeah. mm-hmm. and then it got mm-hmm. remastered again on PSP. If you remember, right, and right. It's, it's not as good, I'd say, but it, it's a fine version. But, but we need we need it on the Switch. We need it on the Steam. Deck, I know, you know what I'm on the Steam great. Deck without using certain methods which may or may not exist out there certain the methods. Yeah. emulation that's what yeah. he's talking about yeah i just hope they do it better than they did the grandia collection which was uh not great it, uh yeah I, infamously they actually like lied to my face at e3 and then i immediately proved them wrong and it's this weird thing where you go in like so is this based on the saturn version they're like yep it absolutely is we use the saturn version and within two minutes of starting the game I'm like this is not the saturn version like anybody <laughs> technically you you know it you can tell it's not they had nothing to of do course, with it it's, yeah it's just mm. the playstation version and they didn't know how to respond to that i felt like a little bit of a you know a jerk for some pr for that, flack but, is going yeah sure but maybe if you're a pr flack don't make don't stuff answer up. questions you don't, don't know the answer yeah, to. if you don't yeah. know what i'm saying just don't just say it. we don't know because like, yeah, yeah like yes, we'll get yeah, back to you with that you. Yeah, yeah we'll get back we'll, to we'll get that. back to you on that yeah yeah uh, Especially, don't lie to John Linneman, who's going to instantaneously <laughs> tell no. you, "No, it's not." <laughs> um, yeah. I, when I asked that question that I asked uh, earlier about which BNC tier RPGs we want uh, revived, uh, our chat went a little bit crazy. Uh, Beware the slime said, "Yes, Wild Arms." Uh, wow said, "Growlancer." Oh yeah! Um, wow. Teeth said, "Shadow Hearts," which yes. I believe is getting kind of a spiritual revival. It is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so yeah. is Wild Arms. Really, they both yeah. are actually. Yeah. yeah. Ryan said Vandal Hearts. Um, I, okay. I know a couple of Vandal Hearts fans. So Vandal Hearts was, that was the tactics RPG, right? And yeah, it is. There's two can, of them. Uh, there was a revival like 10 years ago, if I recall correctly. And then uh, Whoa, it, didn't, about that. it never went anywhere after that. Um, Teep says, of course, I'm also going to say Breath of Fire. <laughs> and Brian Rowe responds, <laughs> Breath of Lane. Uh, Wass is Beyond Oasis. That's a good choice. Mm. That is a good choice. Yeah, I would like to see that. Uh, Brian says Shining and Landstalker comebacks would be cool. I'd love a, sh- a new Shining Force game, a proper Shining Force game. Yeah, yeah, yeah done yeah. right. That's another game. That's another series that I think is going to get a uh, a Pantheon uh, month next year. So yeah, there there are plenty of classic RPG uh, series that deserve a revival. And damn it, I want to say give me a real Valkyrie profile game. That's all I'm going to say. I'm I'm so afraid that this killed the franchise though. It's I think not it's good over. and yeah. it's not selling. Like it's there's no way they're not going to do this again. I don't intend, Square is going. What what's going on and why why didn't this work? Oh well, I guess Valkyrie Profile is dead forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the meme of the Eric Andre meme of like shooting somebody and being like, who could have done this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't people? Uh, like oh. it? How depressing! This is the depressing undercurrent of this is Valkyrie Profile always was the tri- the best tri series, and it's the one most poorly served by Square over the years. So, But we keep getting Star Ocean games. Uh, final thoughts on Star Ocean before we move on? Um, It's good. 
if you like <laughs> PS2 era RPGs, maybe, but it's definitely not going to work for everyone. But I do suggest in this case, there is a demo. So go mm. check out the demo, mm. uh, get through the intro, try to make sure you beat that first boss and get into the combat. And I think you might find something interesting and kind of that feel it's a different flavor than what's typically out there these days. So it's worth exploring to see if it works for you. Time now for the Autumn of the Avatar, our ongoing watch of Avatar The Last Airbender. We're well into book three. We're getting oh so very close to the end of the series. And this week we watched The Western Air Temple through The Boiling Rock Part 1 and 2. We got a lot of Zuko this mm-hmm. week. Uh, lots to cover. Uh, Eric, take us through with this really quickly. Yeah, I mean, so this was the Zuko redemption we've all been waiting for, right? This was the moment where Zuko has finally come around and now he has to prove to Team Avatar that he is uh, a good guy now, uh, which is honestly kind of heartbreaking to watch in that first episode because this dude has just gone through so much inner journey and, and trying to like make it right. And then he is immediately being rebuffed by uh, the people in the party. Uh, They do kind of end up making Katara the the holdout against him, which makes makes sense. I I get it. I I get it. Like she kind of reached out to Zuko and she he totally betrayed them Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. I have to ask Zuko redemption earned. Yes, 100 percent. You yeah. think so? Oh, okay. absolutely. Come on. This was this was one that you saw coming like miles off. <laughs> this was oh, yeah. this was clearly going to did, happen. Did you like when I said, well, Z- Zuko's obviously going to join the party and yes. teach Aang how to be yes. a firebender. <laughs> it's not it's not the wildest twist that exists in but fictional writing. But he like writing. fully betrayed them, you know. It wasn't mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. okay, That's true. like he fully betrayed them, went back to the dark side and then came mm-hmm. back. So it's like, you have to sell that really hard. I I think again, the, the day of black sun, the moment where he confronts his father and then, you know, bends the lightning and all that is, is the point I keep going back to. Cause he that's the, the moment lightning. where, yeah, where, where Zuko like finally is standing up on in his own right. And becomes this character that is like able to stand without the burden of his father on him. He just, he feels like a different character now. And now he's got to prove that to, uh, Aang and the group, which results in a series of episodes that are all just kind of like, uh, Zuko bonds with member of the party. <laughs> it makes sense uh, that Toph would be the one to, um, yeah. gravitate toward him rather than, yes. Katara, yeah. like if Katara does a thing, Toph will always do the opposite, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. I appreciate that. Though, of course, uh, freaking Zuko burns her feet for poor Toph. That must have been agonizing. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially since still, her feet are more sensitive anyway, because she uses them so much. It's crazy. But it's still like forgiving of him, which I liked. Like yeah. even when she's like sitting there in the fountain, she's like, "Oh, you know." He, you know, I kind of snuck up on him. <laughs> it was probably a bad time, all things considered. So uh, I just like sense. how Zuko was there, like, "Hey, y'all, Zuko here!" Mm-hmm. Oh my god, mm-hmm. it's Zuko the Wasp. That was actually really cute. And I have that to say, cute. I felt a lot of anxiety through that entire episode because mm-hmm. I understood absolutely the party's 
deep yeah. suspicion of this character who literally just betrayed them. Mm-hmm. But also, I am extremely anxious at any episode that involves rejection from a, mm-hmm. a character. Mm-hmm. And so I, I get why they were like, no, GTFO, like, you totally betrayed us. Like, you can't join our party or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, but at the same time, I was thinking, oh, my God, poor Zuko. I, I don't want you to be rejected. Oh, gosh. Your rejection is my rejection. Or something like that. And that <laughs> moment where Toph reaches out and he accidentally burns her is like even mm-hmm. rougher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no, come back. And it, I'm a it, good it, now. It sets the stage very well because I, I love how it brings back the whole reason why Aang is so re- like reticent to bend fire and how he still has a lot of that fear in him. And so that's what makes him recognize that Zuko is the right teacher for him is because Zuko is aware of that as well yeah. and understands the danger. And then they go right into the dragon episode where they kind of realize that maybe like the fire nation has been teaching firebending wrong. And I love that. I, that concept, it's a very full metal alchemist concept of like, where does your power come from? I thought that was and really how are you cool. Using it. Yeah. yeah. I loved the way that they deepened the lore a bit and we're like, okay, <laughs> but where did everybody learn how to bend? Yes. And that scene yeah. with Toph and the giant badgers, uh, the badger mm. molds was really <laughs> yeah. neat. And they're like, yeah. Oh, where, where, where did you learn to bend? Uh, did they say what the water who taught waterbenders? How um, the moon, the moon, I think is the canonical waterbending teacher. Yeah. I think so, they also said like the seals at some point. Um, this I, it's not I, an I animal. They just looked at the moon and felt the tides and were like, ah. yeah, they, they saw the way that the tide shifted with the moon. I mean, the like waterbenders are always very connected to the moon more than anything else. Um, yeah. That might be something that gets, I will say right now that I think, in Korra, they end up kind of retconning some of the ways that bending was taught, or they kind of they go further back to discover the deeper lore, sort of thing. Um, By which the way, is good. I, I think said, it's very good. But I said that I was, uh, I felt like an airbender. No, it's I'm a waterbender, and I just yeah, have to own up okay. to it. That's that's fair. That's fair. I'm it's totally a waterbender. Waterbending, specializing in ice. Um, mm, mm-hmm. Looking up at that moon. Like I, I prefer the moon to the sun, etc. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then of course the firebenders are uh, were taught by the dragons, but then mm-hmm. all the dragons were uh, evidently wiped out, even though we saw them in the the flashback. And that was kind of a neat episode, actually. Yeah. Um, Zuko rediscovering his drive, like what mm-hmm. what is he fighting for? I suppose. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked the opening bit where. Um, Zuko is trying to teach Aang how to use fire and of course Aang has a lot of trauma from the first season mm-hmm. episode where he burned Katara by mistake mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody said that there was a very JRPG episode because they were yes. dungeon crawling <laughs> yeah. doing all of the uh, Literally. doing all of the quests Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a very good side quest it's episode, a good side quest episode. <laughs> and, th- and that sets up you know Aang is now cool with Zuko and then to get Sokka cool with Zuko and also kind of resolve some of the lingering tensions that exist in this series, because we are getting very close to the finale. Uh, We have the boiling rock, which is basically the movie, the rock rock. told in avatar. The last prison break episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have Um, to say that I found this episode to be kind of a snooze. Uh, And I think a lot of it was because Sokka, you know, like I don't left, know how necessary it was. Like they left we, Toph and Aang and Katara mm, at home, yeah. mm-hmm. and so it became more of a badass normal episode. But because there was so little bending, and so many of my favorite characters were not present in it, I was kind of like zoning out a little bit. 
I do love there was a moment where I have to assume Sokka rolled a perfect 20 because <laughs> he uh, manages to convince the prison guard. Or, uh, he says something completely nonsensical and the prison guard uh-huh. totally buys it. Oh, while being oh yeah, he's like, yeah. Uh, the warden yeah. says to let them all out. Oh, I don't yeah. know about that. Oh, I'll tell the warden that you said that. Oh, please don't. Oh, come on, come on. He, Sokka totally rolled a natural 20 on that. Yeah. I mean, Sokka's, Sokka's just a charming guy, you know? He's got multiple girlfriends in the, the course most of unearned, The most unearned things <laughs> with that guy. No, actually, he's a genius. Uh-huh, and, like, all uh-huh. the technology. And Master all the Swordsman as well. Master Swordsman. Marty, Master Swordsman. He's such a Marty stew. Holy cow. <laughs> but uh, the I plot do, bends around him to make to work for him. There is something about that, yeah. the balloon ride out there to the boiling rock that I love, like Zuko and Sokka having bro yes. time. I I really like. That was pretty good. Enjoy that, uh, especially when he's like, "Yeah, my girlfriend turned into the moon," and Zuko's like, "That's rough, buddy." I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, this is such good bro time. That's mm, I love it. But I love that Teeps calls him the plot bender. By the way, That's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You think about the episode where it was the whole um, Empire Strikes Back is on a down note and they're all going to surrender themselves to the Fire Nation so that they can get away and like rebuild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then it's like, oh, we're just going back to the, we're, we're doing a prison break. Why? You established that, yes, they're going to be okay. They're not going to have a good time. They said like, we've been through the Fire Nation but, prison but if before, you can, we'll be all right. But if you can rescue your dad and your friends, you do it. But like, you're not going to leave them in that. there. Soka, like, we t- I've talked in the past about how Sokka goes up and down as a character, like how he's developed and then they tear that all down immediately. Like him leaving his father behind at the end of the last uh, arc there, that was really heartbreaking. Mm. He's like, okay, I have to be a man. I have to be a leader. I you have, have to, to let go. Know, I have okay. to let go. He's and obsessed then, like, with getting his dad out. And he's not getting any of his friends involved with letting his dad go. He's like, oh, I'm going to go fishing. Bye. Let me, let me frame it this way. I think that when they got to this part of the story, and this is just me speculating, but I think at this point, the, the, the writing crew is going, okay, like the audience has seen Zuko's journey, but the characters like Aang's gang needs to know that Zuko has changed and it needs to happen on an individual basis. So Zuko right now is commander Shepard and he's going on loyalty missions with all the different members of the (laughs) party. Zuko's the renegade Shepard. Yes. And, and, if we had added one more episode, I'll say one of the two episodes for next week is the last of these kind of like loyalty missions that happen where it's like <laughs> loyalty missions. Z- Zuko is getting their trust. He is earning their trust. And I think that is kind of the main plot driver for a lot of these is they kind of looked at these characters and said, okay, what is the, what is something that is still unresolved about this character that they might be thinking about going into a final battle that they want to resolve. It's very mass effect too, in that way. And so I, I kind of appreciate it in that way in that they're kind of picking up some lingering threads. They also address a lot of like, Oh may and, and the way that Zuko kind of left his life behind. That was good. That was really, Um, really good. I did not see that coming. May has the best line of this entire week. The, I I guess I love Zuko more than I fear you. Like right in Azula's face is so good. Yeah. That was pretty badass. I love that they gave may some actual character development actually. Um, Yeah. uh, They didn't have to necessarily. They could have left these characters or, you know, they could have left them as sort of one-dimensional 
hench ladies, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they didn't. And mm-hmm. uh, I think I appreciate that. But one thing I want to discuss more that I will discuss probably a lot more when the uh, the next episode comes out, where we wrap everything up. I find that this has a this avatar in general has a very different feel and and yet similar feel from modern cartoons. And I think it has a very unique position being what I think was the very last hugely popular cartoon before social media took over mm. the discourse. And because I think these characters would be completely different if they were been written like here and now, like in the era of like She-Ra sure. or Steven uh, Universe and stuff like that. But that's probably a really complex topic to have to go but into at later. at the same time, it was ahead of its time, I think. Mm-hmm. It was too. It absolutely was. Especially right in how, uh, I think we've talked uh, at some length about how emotionally intelligent this series is, mm-hmm. how it was mm-hmm. wholesome television before wholesome television in an era where everything was kind of about being badass. And mm-hmm. I think that in that respect, Avatar was maybe ahead of its time. Though I have to say that you got to love Sokka finding Suki and then just yeah. completely overlooking her and being like, if we don't find my dad, it's all not worth it at all. And Suki's like, hello, I'm like right here. You know? <laughs> oh, Suki, you're really, really settling here. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You have to do, I, I do love that Suki, after getting so completely wrecked by the teen girl squad that she got imprisoned, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. that she did have a, a good kind of badass moment in this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and that was the one part of Sokka's dad and and Sokka dynamic. I honestly, the Sokka's dad Sokka dynamic doesn't do much for me. Like it's it's touching that they have a good relationship, and and you know the the part where he's like, "I'm proud of you, son," is always very good. But uh, the one part where they're running away and uh, Sokka's dad remarks, "Like, wow, that Suki really is something." <laughs> like I was just <laughs> like, "Yeah, yeah, Sokka's dad, you recognize it now. Please make your son better, so he's." a better person. <laughs> Abby is very upset by our uh, Sokka hate uh, in the chat saying Sokka has a good heart. He does. He does. He, does. he I means don't well. Say he does I he told means... you, I said in the last episode, stop making me like Sokka. Right. Uh, Cause I, think I was Sokka's weaknesses are mostly just how he's written versus like, I, I, the character I, think himself. I think he's the worst written of the characters, but he has his yeah. moments. Like exactly those moments where he, where you really feel where you get below kind of the bluster and you feel that need to be accepted by his father or like where he, he does feel on the outs or he's insecure and that kind of thing. And people are nice to him. They are sweet moments. He has had his moments. I'm not going to deny that. Let me use a a Southern euphemism here for, for Abby specifically Uh, bless his heart. He means well, (laughs) and like he, he does. He tries. He, he tries very hard. I like that he is a character that is allowed to fail and bounce back. I think a lot of the characters in Avatar are allowed to fail and deal with those failures, and that's what also sets it apart from a lot of other shows. But like I said, the show it lets the, the characters work through that. The plot bends around him, and I don't like that they also made him like a super genius, like in mechanics, and that, that there's a lot that I dislike about his particular writing, but there are also moments. I think my favorite Sokka moment is, okay. So at the beginning of the series, he instantly, I instantly disliked him because, um, uh, Katara was talking about how she does literally everything. And he's just off Mm. pretending to be a soldier and being, Mm -hmm. and badly Mm -hmm. as well. And so, and he was kind of, and he was extremely sexist at the beginning of the show. So it was just Mm -hmm. like, I don't Mm -hmm. like you Sokka. 
but that moment where you realize that he was doing that because his father had gone away and said, you're in charge of the village or whatever. And he took that seriously, but he didn't really know what he was doing. Like reframed that opening a bit for me Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. made me soften a bit towards Sokka. But I do wish that he were better written and didn't, constantly have all of these unearned uh frankly unearned um characters basically throwing them at him or just being able to have things work out for him he is truly the executive of avatar who just keeps failing on board um but uh eric what's next for autumn of the avatar uh, next week is a short week. It's only two episodes. We've got uh, the last of the Zuko loyalty missions, which is the uh, Southern Raiders. I I believe yeah, it's, it's called. called Southern Raiders, um, which is a very, very good episode. And then one that I'm sure a lot of uh, Avatar watchers have been looking forward to is the Ember Island players, uh, which is an infamous episode in the, in the avatar uh, run. And I'm sure people are excited for us to talk about it. I know I'm excited for us to talk about it. Um, So that'll be a two episode one. And then we will have uh, Sozin's Comet the week after. And reminder reminder for y'all listening. Sozin's Comet is the four part finale of the series. And we will not be talking about it on the pod. We're saving discussion of that for the book three special that we will be recording and putting out in the last week of November slash first week of December. Uh, So look forward to that. However, if you are around in the discord, uh, I will be hosting a watch along of Sozin's comments. Nothing official. We're not doing it big. This this is not necessarily like the Shards counterattack thing. I think we'll do something separate along those lines. But uh, this will be just kind of a Thanksgiving weekend. Anybody who wants to watch, uh, we'll we'll put it live in the Discord. I'll put a survey up to see uh, what times and dates work well for people, and we'll have like a text channel open for people to kind of chat while we're watching it in here. Figure that would be a nice little holiday thing for us to That's do. Nice. So, uh, look forward to that. John, I realized that we were all talking <laughs> through this, and I'm curious: <laughs> Do you have any history with Avatar: The Last Airbender? No, I have zero history, and in fact, uh, hearing you guys talk about it, it's like kind of like, man, maybe I should actually sit down and watch it. Just, you, oh, yeah, should. Like it. you really should i somehow just missed it and uh i never went back to it but can i recommend I, I, this is a that you start watching first it. time watching it you should it, start where, watching it and where's a good place to, to find it that's on netflix it's on oh, netflix all right yeah. well there we go yeah. cool you should start listening watching it and listen along to our previous episodes in which yeah, we uh, I, i've been kind of not been listening to the this parts of the episode because i'm just like well <laughs> there you, go. you know I don't know anything about this. So. Got all the specials and everything. You can listen right, to me I'll react back. in real time <laughs> to all of these. Uh, Cat's journey episodes. with Sokka. <laughs> My cat, cat's journey in general with this series—it's it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. You can make, you can listen to me make wildly off-base predictions and right. accurate predictions. Um, all right. Yes, I need to do that. <laughs> excellent. All right, Nadia, take us home. Uh, well, today's, I don't have a nostalgia nook so much as I just have a nook. There's not really any nostalgia involved. Um, I made friends with the crows on my balcony, uh, and then they got mad, and because uh, I gave them pistachios, and they trashed my, uh, they threw them all over the balcony and tipped over their water. So, um, 
I started. It all started when it angered the birds. <laughs> I heard like crowing around my area. Like I live um, in a, a building that's pretty tall for the area. Like it's not too many tall buildings in my area, and so. You get a lot of birds hanging out here. You get a shit ton of pigeons, literal shit. I have to sell that right there. Uh, you get, there's always hawks fighting over that area because it's a good perch. And now some crows are hanging around. And when I heard the, oh, oh, God, I'm like, oh, shit. And I went out and I got some peanuts. I some unsalted peanuts I keep for just such an occasion. And I put them out and nothing happened for several days. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I thought, okay, well, you know, they were just passing by or whatever. And then one day I'm just kind of out there on the balcony and I noticed the peanuts are gone. I'm like, oh, shit, they took the peanuts. So I go back in. I give them more, right? And we did this for a few days. And they gave me, uh, I, I, I should have brought it with me so I could show it to you. It was a little hunk of plastic that's like, like, like it was broken off something. I don't know what, but they dropped this off for me. It was like, oh, I got my first gift from the crows. And I thought, what if I got better gifts? So I started giving them pistachios. Because I thought, well, it's like pistachios. They're really fucking cool, right? But uh, sorry for the F word there. But they didn't like them. They just, like I said, scattered them all over the balcony, uh, tipped over their oh. water. And I'm like, oh, God, I, I pissed off the crows. Now what? Because, you know, you, you, I'm sure as anyone who, who knows anything about internet lore now, you can make friends with crows. They are very smart and they can get very vengeful. So I thought, shit, I'm not going to be able to use my balcony anymore. They're going to come out and dive on me. But it's all right. I put down some more peanuts. And they've been really good with the peanuts. They finished them all. I keep trying to give them little gifts that they they could take, but they don't. Nothing I give them that seems to really interest them. So whatever, I'll just leave them there and see if they pick them up eventually. I haven't gotten another gift from them yet, but I'll keep you all updated. So mm-hmm. that's uh, mm-hmm. Crow Talk. You've been named Crow Friend. This is enough. I've been named a Crow Friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, I saw that Facebook page and I showed it to my partner, who all she wants in her life is to get a gift from a crow. Oh yeah, and so she's like, "Wow, I, one day I haven't received a gift from a crow. Uh, I have not earned. I am not worthy yet." I'm so. surprised. I even I never thought it would happen. Like I never thought it would happen to me. No, I just I just like I figured. Well, number one, they're not going to see the penis. They're not going to care. But they ate them and then gave me a gift. I'm like, wow, that's wow. Uh, that's really cool. I think they're a bunch of young punks, like a bunch of juveniles. So we'll see if they stick around. <laughs> Uh, especially since around springtime, the hawks will probably come back and like, they're like, hey, this is our sex pad. You can't stay here. You got to take off. And we'll, this is going to be a war. I hope the crows win. And that's it for this week's episode of Axe of the Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Cat Bailey, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter for as long as it lasts at the underscore Kappa. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at Seamusy, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And John is at Dark1X. And John, what have you been working on lately over at Digital Foundry and elsewhere? Well, you know, lots of new games coming out. You know, God of War, Sonic, I did all that. Uh, Over on our Patreon, though, I just recently released a full episode on the Final Fantasy XIII trilogy that I had been working on. So it's about almost two hours about discussing uh, all about Final Fantasy XIII and everything around it. The Fabula Nova Crystallis. It is worth checking out. That's a fun one. Uh, but next week, it's uh, I have to look at Ark Survival Evolved on the Switch because they um. re- they reported the game since it was notoriously the worst port I've ever seen on the Switch, the original version. Oh, uh, that was notoriously bad. Yeah. It was mm. so it's unbelievable how bad it was. So bad, the developers reached out to me two months ago. And we're like, we we know about your video. 
we've actually gone back and got a new team to report the game and we'd like you to take a look at it. So I was like, all right, I'll give you guys a, I'll give you guys a shot. Cause I, I got to see what it is. So we'll be looking at that. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Go check it out. And I full respect any, any time that you do like comprehensive follow-up coverage on this. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. it oh, shows yeah. a, a good faith effort in trying, not just trying to knock people down I think. right i don't want to tear down developers i'd rather support and showcase great stuff and you know if a game mm-hmm. isn't good technically i'm going to point it out but if it comes back and they solve it then absolutely we're going to share it it's the right thing to do sure well if you enjoy the show please subscribe on patreon patreon.com slash pod where we have tons of bonus content including our avatar autumn of the avatar recaps for book one and two pantheon of the blood god our various deep dives into developers our tribute to Rieko uh, kodama summer of the rings there's so much out there in our back catalog we'll be heading to the post show now blood god after dark with our stars of destiny and we'll be back next week as always for lots more blood god action i think it's about time that we talk about pokemon I think Pokemon uh, next week yeah. is going to be the big Pokemon round table. I'm going to drag Reb on here. It's going to be fun. Nice. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, John, and myself, thanks for listening and happy adventuring. Yeah.